Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king, and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bandari from Ortho Evidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Morning, Mo. Morning. Well, I definitely need hot cup of Joe. <laughs> hot cup of Joe. Hot cu- it's really cold here. <laughs> it's the bottom line. <laughs> we have snow. We have snow. Snow has landed in Canada. Uh, well, well, at least where I am. The, 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 the question is, do you have ice? Do you, do you have no, ice? No, no it's okay. teetering. We're teetering at the zero degrees Celsius, you know, um, and it's just it's just coming. So it's coming and going, coming and going. But we're you can just see like the snow engine is just trying to start itself up. So we're going to have snow melt, snow melt, and it's just going to come and stay in the next. I'm guessing in the next week we'll have snow permanent. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure you you've got a projection as to when you can chop the first hole in the ice and and do a plunge <laughs> up to your neck right I, promise, I will do one again i will do one again at least well, one. i know but what do you think three weeks no we won't get ice like that for three weeks so I'm, I'm thinking like in the you know in the heart of winter right somewhere in like january negative okay. 17 celsius cold blistery yeah. you can barely see the sun coming out and you get out there got an axe and cut ice then you jump in the water that's what you do that's what canadians do mark yeah, no, well, you're the only Canadian I know that does that. But, <laughs> but well, so you're a keen observer of all things, I know. And I and I trust you have observed that this is two recordings of Ortho Joe in a row with no tie. You know, I have noticed that, um, and I didn't want to make a big deal about it, but it does seem that you are, you, you, something has influenced you, and I don't know, I don't know what it is, Mark. Uh, I, I won't take any credit for no tie. But um, it's it's a nice look. It's a nice look. Well, it's the it's the influence of uh, of you and the other people we had on that Ortho Joe episode that just made me uh, understand that I'm I'm uh, I'm a fossil. So <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to do my best uh, to to update. So Ortho Joe does have an influence at, at least with, for one listener. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we have a return guest that we haven't talked to for nearly two years. Uh, Dr. Bob Skank, uh, who is the uh, editor of uh, the Arts and Humanities section uh, of what's important at the journal uh, and the chair emeritus now of University of New Mexico uh, Department of Orthopedic Surgery. And we've got a lot to talk about with Bob. But I'd like to start off with, uh, after two years, Bob, what what are the one or two posts that you have uh, edited for the Arts and Humanities section that stand out in your mind? Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mark, Mo, and uh, Christina. Thanks for setting this up. It's great to be here. Arts and Humanities uh, has had several different types of publications that have come through. There has been poetry, some essays um, that are really beautifully done. But the ones that stand out in my mind are the uh, paintings or the art. There was a sculpture by a medical student transitioning into orthopedic residency that was just beautifully done. And what we what we did with arts and humanities is make everyone tell a story with that painting or sculpture. And her her story is really nice. And she gets to tell a little bit about herself as well. 
in that piece and how she transitioned into residency. And then there's three, you know, lovely paintings. One is by um, uh, Dr. Madari here with us today. And then two really beautiful other ones. One is a, a professor emeritus um, from Oregon Health Scientist Center, Dr. Yu, who's a spine surgeon. Beautifully. And his background story is really useful for anyone trying to get into the arts and humanities. It's an orthopedic surgeon or surgeon or medical provider that wants to do something other than medicine. And so is uh, uh, Mose. His his concept of think and how you look at yourself every day is really a useful acronym. But there's also a great two pieces by Dr. Stoll. And those two paintings, you and Stoll, where they talk about uh, their artwork and how they look at it and how they create art, how they empty themselves and then put something on a canvas. I think a very useful writing. So the writing and the when you look at the artwork, you you automatically look at those three pieces of paint, those three paintings as like, oh, these are quality. You know, they could be in a gallery. If you had someone's famous signature on it, uh, you know, you, you they, they would be sold. So those three pieces are really nice, but the background stories are useful for the orthopedic surgeon. And, um, and then the sculpture is lovely because the med student took it into, it's during, and hers is during the really infancy of COVID and, mm. and, and the sculpture broke. And so she had to fire them in separate pieces then took them home to dad and dad connected them together. Her name is Vilecki. And so just great, great avenue and great quality of work that's been submitted to JBGS. There's been lovely sets of photos. And, and some people's art is more like, how does the evolution of a total hip or, you know, opponents, some photos of that very, very, very uniquely orthopedic. And then some poetry as well. So it, we, we've really, it, we've struck out on our own and it's nice to see this aspect in uh, JBGS get into print. And, and especially when someone sees their own artwork or you know you do art, but you haven't published in JBGS, it's got to get the um, creative juices, or at least maybe some of the competitive juices, which orthopods are so famous for going to this. <laughs> them to jbjs so you know, well, you know well, oh, go ahead. oh i was just gonna ask you as an artist what what advice might you have for somebody who's who's hesitating you know my stuff's not good enough kind of uh attitude how would you advise such an individual mm. to your point you always think your stuff is not good enough um and you always but i think the thing for me was like you know um to bob's point you know the story we all tell ourselves uh, can be very different you have to change that story in your head which was for me in 2018 right again right, like i had uh, i'd loved i'd loved sketching and drawing and as a child gave it up in pursuit of a whole bunch of things work being a big chunk of it and you kind of decide that i'm just going to go back and when you go back as an adult at least for me it was i just wasn't scared anymore i wasn't you know worried about what it's going to look like i wasn't worried and when you actually have fun and it becomes more like you're just kind of, you know, taking a break, playing in a way, you can actually have more of your breakthroughs. And I think that gets back to um, the point, Mark, and to you, Bob, when you started this, you know, two 
years ago when you had discussions about arts and humanities. And I would say arguably one of the more important sections in the journal because it really helps us understand that uh, surgeons, uh, medical students, residents, uh, allied healthcare professionals are more than uh, what they may appear to be. And it's because of those other things that allows them to be, you know, in many ways spectacular in the other parts of their life. Has this met your vision? Is it still a vision that's evolving? for you? Are there any surprises for you that happened as a result uh, of your role in, in curating uh, this particular section? I'm really curious about how the last two years have gone from the point of view of any surprises or anything that you didn't expect happening that's been happening. Great questions. To the point of like what I was surprised with, uh, I, I was surprised a little bit that people would contact me and reach out and say, and, and to Mark's point, is my stuff not good enough? And I'd be like, no, submit it. Please submit it. We recently had a video submitted from uh, the from Denmark that was really superb on waste in orthopedics. It is it's lovely, and but it took them a long time to submit it. And other very famous orthopedic surgeons around the country have reached out to me and have said have said. Um, Bob, I have a photo from one example. I have a photo of jellyfish. I love it. Can never submitted it. And I'm I and I I once you talk to me, I'm not gonna let you off the hook. I'm gonna keep <laughs> I've reminded that person a couple of times, but you know, so surprise to me is that they reach out, but maybe don't submit it. So people really need to get rid of their ego on this and submit things. Uh also some of the things that um I was surprised with was the quality of art that was sent in with those paintings that was sent to me. I looked at them and I'm like, and of course, Dr. U at Oregon, he's won awards and others have, you know, you know, had successes, but the quality that we've gotten is superb. You know, I think sometimes when you, when you start into some process, as an orthopedic surgeon, you you forgot that it took you five years to really even fix an ankle fracture properly and to look at it properly. So the first time you put pen to paper and write a poem, it may seem a little elementary, but it, it's not a one and done thing. So I, I think that would be the message I would get out to people. If you want to do it, you got to do it and practice it. And my own experience. I wrote a novella. It's called Juarez. I published it. I have some friends and uh, one cousin in particular that loves it, but it never really made it. You know, it never really made it in the commercial world. But the bottom line is, I got it out and I got it done, and then I continued writing, and I found my niche of writing. But I have to really give a shout out to Mark and, and others. I don't know who all, but to come up with the idea of arts and humanities for JBJS, that that's a real visionary thing. Let, let's face it. Some people look at it as sort of a, a, you know, a fringe concept in arts, in orthopedics, but it really is very useful in, in the real world. And at university of New Mexico, I, I still edit the, the UNM Medical Muse Arts Journal that is very popular 
uh, with people submitting things. And we still have a really strong publication twice a year. So it, especially in this day and age, I think people need an outlet. You know, um, the the amount of personal uh, trials people have gone through with COVID and now figuring out that they maybe don't like medicine or they don't like their jobs. I, I think it is an outlet for someone to do, maybe get you better longevity for your work. So, you know, and if, uh, yeah, yeah, surprised. And it was picked up that it was done by JBGS, the quality, and then people need to get rid of their ego and just submit it. And they're worried about not being accepted. <clears throat> that doesn't happen terrifically often. Yeah. The point I typically try to make uh, when it comes to why it's important for surgeons, particularly, um, to uh, really work on a creative pursuit of some sort. Um, is because when you look time and time again, and let's use, and I'm sure I've used this quote before or this example before, but the, the strong association with Nobel Prize laureates, the, you know, when we talk about science, science at its uh, highest level in terms of its rewards, um, the majority, if not all, have non-scientific pursuits and things that they use to help them get ideas. Creativity, unfortunately, as many will say, doesn't happen usually when you're sitting in the lab. It happens when you're outside doing something else or when you're interacting. So to those who are listening and thinking, oh, I don't think my my work or my, my poetry or my writing or my music is good enough, you know, I always say, well, who are you doing it for? If you're doing it for the masses, then maybe you might have a concern about that. But if you think about ultimately doing the work you do outside for yourself, then think of it as just a way to journal it. And what an amazing way to journal it, um, then have your, uh, you know, have a very supportive network. That is the, the network um, of surgeons and practitioners um, throughout the world who uh, are members and participants within this culture that is the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery, uh, to be able to share that with you. So I think, Bob, it's uh, for anyone even thinking about it, they should, they should genuinely contact you and, uh, you know, and have that discussion because... It seems to me we need more of this than less of it. Yeah, I think we're really talking about balance uh, across our, our lives uh, to, to, to make us better people, which in turn impacts the way we care for patients. And Bob, I know that in your transition now away from the chair, you, you've done some international work. And uh, maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about uh, what you've done and how you got started in it. and. How, how it's benefited uh, you as a as an individual. Uh, no, thank you. No, I, I've been very fortunate, but I think it all starts with, and anything that you're going to get has to start with giving back. And so in 2006, my colleague Dan Washer and I started hosting sports medicine traveling fellows. And we brought them to New Mexico, which is an off the beat path, but AOA paid for it. AOSSM paid. So all these, Visitors from Europe, ABC Traveling Fellows, uh, and AOSSM Traveling Fellows have filtered through us through, through through New Mexico. And then in 2012, they reciprocated. And I started traveling a lot more, especially to South America. And uh, I go to Europe a lot, but South America is uh, a very unique continent. Um, I, I, I speak a fair amount of Spanish, so that helped a bit. But again, 
It's like art. It's like Mo says, I just didn't start speaking Spanish. I practice. Okay. So I went down there and um, gave talks a lot. And then in 17, Ned Amendola made me a godfather for this AOSSM traveling fellowship. So I went to South America in 17 with three traveling fellows, uh, Dane Allred, uh, Mark Tompkins, and Seth Sherman. And we traveled through many countries. And I I did a surgery that did a shoulder surgery there in Peru at that time. 2019 uh, in Rosario did some really complex, very cool surgery, a deflection osteotomy for an ACL deficient knee and a a laprod on a lateral side. And, And then most recently, I wanted to really give back to a teaching hospital and operated in Lima. And now that went extremely well because we spent the whole day in Spanish and gave a lecture at the end. And it was a real hit. And so we're going to go back down in March and do some more surgeries. But whenever you do anything internationally, it's got to be sustainable. You can't go down there and uh, for us in sports medicine, you can't go take equipment that they can't get. So for instance, in Peru, it's very difficult to get equipment. So you have to use what they have. And like to do a lateral meniscal root repair has some complexity to it. And we use uh, a knee a knee scorpion or or the like. We use these different products, didn't have them. So had to use something different, but I planned that out in my head. So we did techniques that they can use when I'm gone. And I saw the patient before, saw the patient after, and we've gotten videos. So th- I think that's my next direction is to do surgery that's sustainable where we can you know give give some great great influence and it it's funny because all of us with JBGS you know you you said it beautifully mark that we really stand for excellence in in you know through through publication in in JBGS well like many things we've done with the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery we want excellence in, in quality. And I've, I've done a lot of work with that. So I really want to take excellence down in wherever I go, but use the materials I have. And a funny story, I had to take a bone plug for a quad tendon autograph. They wanted me to do a quad tendon ACL autograph with bone plug. And I used everything I had, but initially they didn't have an oscillating saw and they handed me a drill and a, a small osteotome. And I was like, to myself, that's not what I asked for, but let's do it because I know I can do it. And then eventually they found me a saw. So go down. It was it was really fun. So it was multicultural. It's doing surgery, teaching, learning, and then uh, speaking another language and really into into the culture. So that's probably the avenue I will take uh, for the next next foreseeable future whenever i go to south america it's also nice because there's no time zone change trust me that is a huge issue when you go do surgery like i once went and did surgery in singapore in 94 and i mean it went well but i was like this is not the most ideal situation right so but no thank you for asking it was it was it was really fun well, as a kind of the last uh, question, uh, Mo, I don't know anybody in the field of orthopedics who's traveled the world as, as much as you have, uh, and particularly in the developing world. And 
What what advice and counsel would you have for individuals who are listening who might be thinking about uh, a a trip to a a country that's uh, that's a, a developing country that uh, they would like to help improve the surgical skills of an individual or group or or hospital? What what advice would you have for that yeah. person? And I'm sure there are many more who could speak far more eloquently than I on this. But I'll, I'll tell you uh, the thing that I've learned and probably the most important thing I've learned, uh, whether it's going for, uh, you know, as you said, you know, at, at any educational effort, whether it's, you know, and for our, in our case, a lot of times it's been trying to reach out to countries, Mark and Bob, around building new connections, new networks for uh, large clinical uh, research programs as well. Pretty similar. The one thing is there is no short game here. Um, and I think that the thing that I've learned the most is nothing beats in person. Nothing, uh, Zoom will never capture, that email will never capture that. You have to actually set foot on land. You have to ex take the opportunity to experience culture as fully as you possibly can and embrace it to the extent that you can. Um, when you build an understanding of, um, you know, if you understand through the lens of someone else's um, worldview on a particular issue in orthopedics or whether it be research, only then I think can you really figure it out. So for me, I would say what turns out to be a visit usually turns out to be visits over a period of several years that ultimately build strong collaborations, strong trust, and ultimately lead us to having, you know, I guess impacts we could have never had alone. I have to believe, Bob, that for you, uh, there are rare, rarely do you do something one-off. I suspect that you make it a habit of going and spending time. And as you just said, right, really trying to understand the both the art of living in that country and the humanity of living in that country before you start uh, trying to uh, change things. And to, to Mo's point, Mo, that was excellent uh, how you said that. I think the cultural understanding I once had a, a a colleague say, and he was a very direct, very good trauma surgeon, but he said, I, I don't really believe in social history. And social history really, for a specific diagnosis, changes our strategy for treatment in any way. And social history, I say to my residents, after allergies, I want to know social history. And so when you think of social history, to get it in our perspective of what Mo just said is, it's cultural understanding. And until you understand that cultural process and immerse yourself into it, because a one-off going in as an American surgeon is probably one of the more ugly things you could ever do. You have to go down and, and really like, if you don't like the culture or embrace the culture, I don't really think it's worth you going unless maybe you eventually become a convert and, and and do love you have to really enjoy the culture and then see what their challenges are and um for instance in this trip they there's no way we could do a total knee i can do a total knee easily but there's no way we could do it because the cost of an implant is difficult and i was flying back and i was like why don't i get a 501c3 going in the states to pay for the implant like it comes, you come up with different ideas to help their cultural restrictions, and it, it, and it, and in that point, unless you understand their culture and you go down there and really appreciate it, I think you're going to you're going to miss the boat on what you're really doing. 
Well, thanks uh, to you both for that sage advice, uh, really looking to build relationships, go in humility and go with uh, the long game in mind. And uh, Bob, I want to congratulate you on your years as chair at the University of New Mexico and the program you built and for the two year, uh, I guess, anniversary of Arts and Humanities. And we look forward to many more years of seeing the creativity of the orthopedic community published on the pages of the journal. So thanks to you both. Have a great uh, day and I uh, look forward to chatting again in the near future. Thanks Thank you again. Paul. Thank you so much.